You can relax. Colleen and Eric have a podcast. The world is scary and we're locked in our home. But now we have big microphones. So you can relax. That's the name of our podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Relax. You might notice I am missing my co-host, Eric Stockland, who is my husband. And instead, stepping in for him today, we have my brother, Christopher Ballinger. Hello. Hello, Christopher. Thanks for stepping in today. Of course, it's wonderful to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Um, So today's a very special episode uh, because Christopher is going to help me talk about episode two of season one of Haters Back Off. We created and produced and wrote the show together. We are partners in those things. And um, Normally, Eric obviously is here. This is the first time we're missing Eric, but he is working on set all week. He literally has no time to sit down and record these podcasts unless it's the middle of the night. So uh, Christopher so kindly said he would step in and help out, which is perfect because today's all about haters. And Christopher knows haters back off better than anyone other than me, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited about it. I actually haven't seen this episode for at least a few years. It's been a long time. Did you watch it before talking to me right now? No, no, no. Oh, Should I have? You're going to get genuine goodness. reactions. That's incredible. Okay, well, that's exciting. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, first, we need to, before we do anything else, we need to talk about who needs to relax today. So Christopher, who do you or what do you feel needs to relax today or uh, this week or just in life? Hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to say avocados. <gasps> oh, that's shocking. You're from California. They well, I love avocados. I love to eat those avocados. Same. But they do need to relax because it, they are never ripe when you buy them. That's true. And then you only have like 30 minutes that's true. to eat the avocado before it gets all gross. And I had a really bad avocado yesterday. Oh, and it, I'm sorry. it ruined my burrito. You know, avocados have been very difficult ever since the pandemic because we obviously, um, we order all our groceries. We don't go to the grocery store. Um, we are very privileged in that sense that we're able to do that. Um, but we do that to try to stay as safe as possible and, uh, we're able to. And so anyway, the avocado, whenever I order avocados, they're either a rock, like you said, Mm -hmm. or they're literally black inside like you open it and it's dust or you try and pick it up and it just feels like a leather ball that's deflated or something like yes it's just, that's the worst and it's bad. It, uh dad our father does not like avocados because i th- what i thought you were gonna say is when you have an avocado in a sandwich or a burger it like boom out when you take a bite like <laughs> shook, like it just shoots out the backside when you want to take a bite and that drives our father crazy he does not avocados like are tricky all around Yes, I and agree Jessica that. is pregnant right now. My wife Jessica is pregnant, and I heard she that. really wants avocado toast lately. Mm. And I don't know if it's a pregnancy-related thing, but Could when she's be. pregnant and she asks for a certain type of food, I get that food. As and you should. So I've been dealing with a lot of avocados lately. Well, I'm sorry that that has been a frustration in your life. Um, for me, you actually feel like you're going to relate to this one. I would have said this regardless if I was talking to you today or not. But my thing that needs to relax today is knockoff Legos. Oh, and oh. also, <laughs> also regular Lego because, like, which by the way, I recently found out it's Lego, not Legos. Yeah, they don't they don't like you to. Like, there's no plural. It. Do you so know you, why that is? No, I don't. But I'm very confused by this because I've always said Legos. So it it's it's taking it out of being like a common noun. 
because if you call everything Legos, then mm-hmm. it then it becomes like anybody can use that brand name. It's like Kleenex wants you to call things facial tissues and not Kleenex. Do you, oh. I don't know if you've heard of any of that legal stuff, but it Not becomes really. part of the common vernacular of people. So and anyone can make like Legos. A thing that you can call something, and then like I just can said, knock that. off Legos. Right. Last week we had Easter, and one of the Easter eggs that the Easter Bunny so kindly brought for our son was um, knock off Lego construction trucks, and so in the Easter egg is all the pieces to build a different construction truck, but they're not Lego brand. They're some knockoff cheap brand. And I was never a Lego fanatic growing up. My brother Christopher was, but I've played with Lego every once in a while. But these like somehow don't fit together. And like it's, I was following the instructions, but somehow they like don't fit together right and they're hard to put together. Like they like n- pop out of each other. They, they pop slip out, they out like an avocado out of a yes. sandwich. And it was driving me crazy. And so um, I wanted to buy him an actual Lego set. And they're a bajillion dollars. They're so expensive. So but I was it's like, worth it because you don't have to deal with that frustration. Well, I think he's a little too young to like appreciate Legos still. So it was more like, oh, it might be fun for me to, cause it was, it was fun to build them. Like I was mm-hmm. having fun building the construction trucks for him and, and trying to teach him. And he was trying to help and it was really cute. And so I was like, well, maybe if I get a nice one, but they were so expensive. I couldn't believe it. So I'm, who I think needs to relax is the prices of Lego and knockoff Lego need Legos. I, like those, you know, what's bad is when you have a, a Lego collection and you get a knockoff Lego and it gets put in with the rest of your Lego stuff. Ooh, that's not good. And then, and then try you to start put it building and this piece no. just won't, this one piece just doesn't work and it's a different color and it's all, it's all bad. That's no oh, good. Man. That's no I good. I agree. They need to relax. Uh, so that's who we feel need to relax this week. But, uh, you know, more importantly, we are here to talk about haters back off. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, we, Eric and I rewatched episode one of season one of haters back off. And we talked about all the, little secrets and behind the scenes things. And a lot of you really liked it and have been asking for the next episode. So we had scheduled to do that this week. And like I said, Eric's been working. So Christopher so kindly stepped in. We're going to talk about um, the second episode soon, which I I rewatched last night. And I was I was very pleasantly surprised by some of the jokes that we wrote and I forgot about because I have not watched it since the show came out either. And um, I but before we jump into it, I just wanted to talk a little bit about my history with my brother, um, because we are co writers, co producers, co friends. (laughs) We are co friends. Yes, that's how I describe our relationship to everyone. Yes, we are co friends. Um, How do you know Colleen? Oh, we're co friends. people a lot of people ask like how we got started working together like how this happened and i i just thought we could talk about that for a little bit so christopher and i started working on haters back off i mean right after miranda started going viral i feel is when we started talking about creating some other project with the character so um originally we wanted it to be a movie Mm -hmm. and um the characters that existed at that point were miranda's mom and uncle and uh patrick And Miranda, obviously, there was no sister character yet, but we wanted to do this movie and we quickly realized there's too much story here to tell. And um, so, you know, we have always kind of done projects together and written together back when we were really young. Christopher was a magician, is is still a magician. I used to go do magician, like magician, uh, magic party, birthday parties with Chris. So Christopher, Christopher and I would 
he would be a magician. And I, I think we did one together. I feel like I remember doing more, but maybe not. Oh. Well, I do. I do remember one at a park, and I was yeah. Wearing... That's the one I remember too. And I think I did. It was my one and only time doing balloon animals because they requested uh. it. And I, I, I never did it again. I, I don't like doing balloon animals. So it wasn't because I was a bad assistant. It was no, because... no, no. <laughs> uh, well, I, I we... remember we had some shtick with top hats. Like I had a top hat that fit into a top hat, and I took my top hat off, and then you took the second top hat. Like there was some joke that we were doing. That's all I remember is balloon animals and top hats. I don't That's remember it. that, but I do remember you silk screened a shirt with a top hat on it for me to wear. Like you made yes. a, sh- a shirt with a top hat on it that I was supposed to wear as your assistant. But uh, you're a liar if you say it's the only magic show we did together because we have done many magic shows together as Miranda and you as a magician. That's true. Those were so, fun. I yeah. do those again. Yeah, me too. So Christopher has been a part of my career since it began. And my very first trip to uh, New York City. The very first time I ever performed as Miranda, Christopher was with me. So this is a picture of Christopher and I, my very first time in New York City um, performing as Miranda. And this is right after I went on stage for the first time as Miranda. And then I went back, I changed into normal clothes and came out and um, continued to enjoy Cast Party, which was the place I first performed. And Christopher came and experienced that whirlwind of a trip with me for the first time. And then, you know, he helped me write live shows and uh, we wrote a book together and we wrote, you know, like I said, the TV show haters back off. Uh, We started pitching it to people and we got other writers connected. We got producers connected and then eventually Netflix jumped on board and was a part of it as well, obviously, because that's where it ended up. Um, But Christopher and I've always like uh, been really good at being partners. Um, Yeah. We collaborate well. Yeah, we collaborate really, really well. We're not like, I feel like, I mean, unless you have never, you've just never been honest with me, but I feel like we've never, we we don't hurt each other's feelings when, if we don't like a pitch, we're like, ah, that was a bad pitch. And it, and we're very open to any ideas. And if we don't like it, it's not like we get personally offended. If Yeah, pers- we're, we're straight to the point with each other. Yeah. We don't like waste a whole lot of time with going like, that's really good. But yeah. Yeah. Not really. It, what I yeah, feel. no, we'll, we'll be like, ah, I don't think that works. And the other yeah. one will be like, okay, and we'll move on. But typically we're very, um, we, we just will try to make anything work that the other person thinks because I think my brother is like the funniest and most genius writer in the world. And um, I, I love working with him and I hope we work on many more projects in the future, which is the plan. So basically episode two of season one, Miranda's been getting lots of hate comments and she's decided to quit the internet and quit doing YouTube. Um, and so obviously this is a big issue. Uncle Jim is very upset about this. We get a flashback of what Uncle Jim's background is of color guard and all oh, of is this. Is this the color guard episode? Yes, it's the color guard episode. I forgot episode. what episode it was. I was yeah. like, what, what was episode two? I oh, love yeah. this episode. And um, and then Miranda decides instead of being a YouTube star, she's going to go be in the church choir and find true love. And so she goes to try to be a part of the church choir. In an unfortunate series of events, her mother has is going to a singles night because there's a boy that she wants to date, a man she wants to date, and Miranda shows up at the singles night. And um, the man that her mother is interested in just so happens to be this man who has kicked Miranda out of a choir she wanted to be in. Um, and it's the biggest betrayal Miranda could imagine. Um, it's, you know, it's this big drama and it's it's very, well, it's not drama. I mean, it's comedy. 
Hopefully some people think it's comedy, but it's, it's a really fun episode full of uh, church choir and color guard ribbon dancing and um, lots of fun stuff. So we're excited to watch it with you guys. This episode was really fun to film and it was really fun for me to rewatch last night. I'm excited to watch it with you again today, Christopher, and I'm excited to watch it with anyone who wants to watch along with us today. So cue up your Netflix to episode two of season one. And as we go through, we'll probably pause every once in a while. I will try to remember my hardest to tell you when to pause. Last time we did this, I failed at that pretty miserably. Um, but we'll mostly probably just like kind of talk through the whole episode. Um, and then we'll answer some of your questions. But we're excited to get started. Um, but before we do, I think I should say thank you to our first sponsor of the day. So without further ado, let's do that. All right. Our first wonderful sponsor of the day is, of course, Function of Beauty, one of my faves. You guys, think about this. Mango, rose, pear, eucalyptus. Which of these wonderful scents is your favorite? These are just some of the amazing scents available with Function of Beauty's customized shampoo and conditioner. Function of Beauty is the world leader in fully customized hair care. They create your unique formula based on a short but very thorough quiz to give your hair everything it needs to look and feel its best. It's amazing. You just take this quick little quiz and they make like a scientist, like makes a formula specifically for your hair. It's actually incredible. I am obsessed. Every product is sulfate and paraben-free, vegan, cruelty-free, and there are over 60,000 real five-star customer reviews. And Function of Beauty fans are absolutely wild about the fragrances, and for very good reason. Your hair has never smelled so amazing. Trust me. You can try tropical mango, sweet peach, crisp pear, or subtler scents if you're not super crazy about, you know, very intense smells. You can go for something like lavender or rose, eucalyptus. Uh, and if fragrance isn't for you at all, that's totally okay. You can use the unscented version as well. I got lavender and I'm sticking to it. It's what I always get every single time. Eric loves the eucalyptus. I feel like we smell very floral and earthy and lovely at all times. Thanks to Function of Beauty. We are big fans. I've been using Function of Beauty for years now. Um, it's done wonders for my hair and also your hair changes. So you can change up your order um, according to how your hair has changed. If you want to change it to, you know, focus more on hair growth or, you know, dry scalp or whatever issues you're dealing with, uh, you can change up your order um, according to that, which is pretty awesome. So turn your beauty routine into an aromatherapy session, a tropical getaway, even if you want to go to functionofbeauty.com slash relax to take your quiz and save 20% off on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. That's function functionofbeauty.com slash relax to let them know you heard about it here on our podcast and to get 20% off your order, functionofbeauty.com slash relax. All righty, guys, it is time to watch episode two. This episode is called Preaching to the Choir. Um, so please watch along. We're going to go ahead and push play and we're going to start chatting about it all. Let's do it. Push play. Do you push play, Christopher? I'm, I've, I've pressed play. So the episode starts with Miranda very upset. In the um, closet. In the closet because she has received lots of hate comments on her first YouTube video. So um, this, I, I wanted to bring up that this was something, filming these YouTube videos was super 
hectic always. Do you remember this, Chris? Yeah. Tiffer? <laughs> we I feel like it was always so hectic filming these because we wanted to use a real camcorder. Um, we didn't use a lot of times in TV, they'll use the actual cameras they film the TV show with, and then they'll just try to make it look worse in post. But we were like, no, we want to film it on awful cameras. So we use this awful great. camera. But it it looks, looks so, so good. But it was it this is a great example of me not understanding how the film industry works, the TV industry works, because I was like, I'll just film it myself and I can send it to you. And they're like, no, we have to use the whole crew. Everyone has to be there. So something that would have taken me five minutes, I was like, this will be easy. It'll take me five minutes. They're like, no, we have to schedule hours to film this. Um, but anyway, the, we started every episode with one of those YouTube videos and they are always very hectic to film and they're always at the end of the day. Was the Steve cart, the, the, the cart, was that in episode one? using the cart in that way the or pushing this the cart the first around time i felt no, we like when we were it. writing this script we were like he's gonna cart it into the other room and they're like yeah. what do you mean it's on a cart and we're like yeah and we're like oh, okay we got to write that in the first episode like yeah, we had to we did. like go back and because it's in the living room when she yeah he pulls it up to the dinner table and she pushes the computer off oh that's the right dinner that's table. right yeah yeah i remember but we had to go back and like describe that in scene one. yes yeah so I love the scene with uh, Jim and Miranda as he explains uh, his background in ribbon dancing in color guard. Now this, uh, I love this because we didn't change his look at all. So he's remembering back to when he was in high school. And the only thing we changed is like, he had is a little bit of like a mullety feathered hair look, which our hairdresser on set was very excited about and talked about for so long. Do you remember how obsessed he was with it? It was amazing. Oh, he was obsessed with this whole episode. The fact that we got to kind of go back in time and like tease out everybody's hair and yeah. So um, yeah, he had the the hair team loved this episode, but I love that we did not change his look at all. Like Steve Little. Uncle, who plays Uncle Jim is just Steve Little. Like we did, we're like he's in high school. Meh, we won't change anything. He's just gonna still look like the forty-something-year-old man that he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just the, everything about like the guy with the boombox. I know. Just all of this is so. The camera work is. So you know what funny. I love about this? So as um, Uncle Jim is doing his ribbon dancing, the song that is playing is like an inside joke from the writers' room. So yeah. there's uh, an aerobics, like a, like a jazzer size aerobics YouTube video that I was obsessed with. That we were obsessed with. That we would just like. I don't know why we were watching that. I, was it because that was the because vibe we wanted like for the this scene? Because it was like the old school YouTube viral video. Like, yeah. So we were like we, showing... we were kind of giving examples of what. Like what we yeah. would watch back then. Yeah. And the the song in it, we loved and we were so obsessed with it. And we'd all watch this video in the writer's room and laugh. And so when we were trying to pick a song for him to dance to in uh, in this episode, we were like, what if we use that weird song from that jazzercise dance video? And we ended up getting it. By the way, all the fireworks that happen here are CGI. The only thing that's practical in the moment, well, that fire was real, um, is what he's holding in his hands is actual fireworks. But, the, but everything the that shoots things out. things shooting out of it were not. It's and, all and they had little CGI. charges in the, in the bleachers that went off. Yeah, that's true. So another thing, I'm going to pause it for all of you really okay. fast. So I'm pausing it. Um, Oh, gosh, I wish I could tell you time code, but the time is backwards. It says 2839, which means that's how much is left of the episode. <laughs> but it's, it's I'm pausing where um, there's chaos. Uncle Jim is making the fireworks go off and everyone's running around him and it's chaos. So um, this actually, we had to rewrite this whole 
concept because originally we did want Uncle Jim to be in the color guard. That was part of the plan kind of always. But originally it was that we wanted him to be really great at um, doing all the color guard rifle work, like where you spin Mm -hmm. rifles around and all of that. And um, that was our original plan. And uh, luckily it didn't work out because the ribbon dancing is so much better, but we sent in the first script to Netflix and they were like, you want guns? Like, because the, the idea was that the guns would go off in the middle of his performance and guns would start shooting in the sky. And, um, and Netflix was like, what are you thinking? And we were like, what are we thinking? I remember that phone call the second they said it with well, the writer's room. We were all like, wait, why did we do this? We're, you know, cause we were just thinking color guard guns are fake. They're wood, they're wood, like guns they're not real but the idea was that jim is uncle jim so stupid that he was like oh i'll use a real one to impress everyone and it ends up shooting and going off and no one's injured in the process but um we're like oh yeah that is not a good idea and so we rewrote it to be ribbon dancing and color guard with the flags the writer's room was such a like free flow of like every bad idea that could possibly happen and then hopefully picking out the ones that were like good at the end Mm -hmm. so like we threw out a whole bunch of weird ideas and yeah. that was one of them where in hindsight we were like oh yeah no no we can't we cannot do that yeah it, i just rem- i will never forget that moment when we were on the call with netflix and they were like um and they were great to work with they were always really sweet with their notes and they were just like so we were a little nervous about the idea of having guns are and you sure <gasps> that's what you want to do and the entire writer's room the second they said the word guns we were like wait we didn't write guns. Oh, we did. Why did we write guns? Like we immediately regretted it. And we're like, that was so dumb. Guns in a, in a school. Like, what were we thinking? So we immediately changed it. And it's so much better. Like the ribbon dancing is so great. Um, another thing. Yeah. Like Christopher said, everything that we ever, I feel like all the best ideas on the show came from horrible ideas. And I feel like that's something to always keep in mind as a writer and something I learned writing the show is that there aren't any bad ideas. You can grow on an idea and make it better. For example, one of the worst ideas that I thought was pitched, you know, right in the beginning, I, I, it was difficult for me to work with a team of writers. I'd never experienced that before with Miranda. So, um, it was very hard for me to hear ideas that seemed crazy and have to go like, okay, let's see if we can work with this. I remember one of the writers said, all right, I have an idea for an episode. Miranda kills someone. And, I was like, absolutely not. This is like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. But because that's not how we worked, you know, we always said, yes, and, and let's figure out how to make this work. It ended up being one of the funniest things where Miranda, you know, she doesn't kill anyone, but in episode three at a retirement home, an old man dies um, while she's there. And somehow we were able to make that work. And it's a good example of how our writer's room worked where we didn't really shut down many ideas. It was Every idea and pitch was welcome, even if it sounded impossible. Like the idea of someone pitching Miranda kills someone, to me, I thought that's impossible. That will never happen. That doesn't work. I'm not doing that. But the more we massaged it and worked on it, we ended up with a really hilarious episode, which is um, episode three. Um, And you also had to be okay with your idea that you thought was like so good mm -hmm. going away. Yeah. because, Because in the end, what you ended up with was something that was better yeah, and, and kind of being okay with with the change that happens from day one to right. shooting in the writers' room was yeah. was um, 
I don't know. It was a really fun process. I missed yeah. it. It was fun. Yeah, me too. Another thing before we push play again is um, where this storyline of Jim, I, lo- I saw a lot of people asking about Jim's storyline here and why we did this. And the, the inspiration for this was because Uncle Jim and Miranda have a really special friendship. And obviously it can be misconstrued because of the innuendos that we've place in the show. But to us, it is the most innocent, pure friendship. They just love each other so much. It is the deepest like family friendship that you can imagine. And sometimes they say things that could be misconstrued, but like genuinely, they just love each other and they're best friends. And Uncle Jim is Miranda's biggest cheerleader. And the reason for that is because he sees a bit of himself in her. And so when we were writing his story, we were like, well, what is his background? Why why does he love her so much? Why is he so passionate about her succeeding? And this is what we came up with, that he had a passion for performing. He had a talent for something that he was so good at and he loved so much and he gave up on it. And he doesn't want Miranda to do that because he sees talent in her. And, and so that's where this comes from. It, it's to motivate him and why he believes in her so much. Um, but anyway, can I say, can I say yes, one more please, thing about this? Say all the, the things. There's so like we could overanalyze every single shot. I know, shot, I know. But um, I do want to point out that Steve took the ribbon dancing incredibly seriously. Oh my gosh! Like, yes, he took classes. Yeah. The, so we had classes set up for for him to do this, and then I think Eric to do. Uh, yeah, we talked swords. about that last episode. Yeah, swords and, color, and he had to do color guard classes too. And. And so he went to a dance studio and like learned how to use the the ribbon. And mm-hmm. um, I remember a- going to one of the rehearsals and just watching Steve and how like how much passion he put into it. And and I was like, oh, this guy it, like it, I was still new to Steve as an actor. And yeah. I was like, this is the best casting ever. He, he's-, he's so passionate about yes. this thing because he knows the character is passionate about it. So yeah. even in rehearsing and like getting it all tangled up and stuff, he was just like very patient and passionate with it and like graceful. And I was so excited to see that um, and yeah. and to incorporate that into the show. I agree. And he, so yeah, the dance you see of him, the dance montage of him doing this dance, it was all choreographed. There is a lot of improv in there because we filmed the dance many different angles and then the director was like, okay, Steve, just go crazy improv and there's a lot of funny stuff in the episode because of that now. Um, but yeah, he's uh, one of my favorite quotes from Steve Little, who plays Uncle Jim, that I still use every day is in the first couple episodes as we were shooting, he's, you know, as an actor, you're trying to figure out your character. With Miranda, I didn't have to do that. I knew who she was. But with all the other actors, they had to kind of figure out who this character was as they were playing the character. And something Jim, um, Steve said every day on set is he would go, is this a guy? Is this a thing? You know, he would try something out with me. He'd go up to me before we shoot a scene and he'd be like, you know, what if he does this? Is this a thing? And then we'd shoot it. We'd shoot a scene and, and get a, a shot. And he'd go, was that a thing? Was that a guy? And he would say, do you remember him saying that all the time, yeah. Christopher? So I still say that. I'll be like, is that a thing? Is this a guy? Is this a thing? Am I a guy? Because th- he said it after every take. He said it after everything he tested and tried. He was just trying to figure out who this guy was at his core. And it's funny because... I never experienced that because I just knew who Miranda was from the get-go. But Eric still does that. Like, Eric comes home from set now at Good Trouble, and he'll be like, I'm still trying to figure out who this guy is. I think he's a guy who does this. And I'm like, oh, there's so much that goes into creating these characters. But um, anyway, we're going to keep watching, or we're never going to get through this. So we're going to push play here. Um, you know, Uncle Jim, there's the chaos of the the fireworks and now he's... They just told the extras to, like... Run back and Or forth. the background to just go 
back and forth, like run to one side and right. run to the other. And it was just total chaos because of I that. know it was amazing. Um, so this, when it comes back into the living room and, and Jim is talking to Miranda here, um, and he's telling her to never give up on her passion and dream. Basically the rest of the scene is, I feel like a lot of improv from what I remember. We, we improv a lot back and forth in this scene. I loved improving with Steve Little to the point where so much of this is improv that the cameraman started to improvise. So Steve started to retell his story because he's getting frustrated with Miranda that she didn't. Yeah, it was supposed to end with you going like, okay, I'll never join the color yeah. guard. And he was supposed to be like, Ugh. yeah, but then you guys kept going, We kept going. And so then when he started to retell the story, the cameraman pushed back in uh, to Steve, like he was going to like, we were going to go back into the memory again. And that's the first time and only time I think that I've ever experienced a cameraman improvising with us. It felt like a team of improvisers, not just me and Steve. It was really great. So now we're in the church scene. Um, Miranda is at church. She's going to go pray for the haters. Um, and here is Keith gets introduced. Uh, Bethany's love interest. Uh, my mother's love interest is introduced for the first time. And uh, so a lot of this episode, uh, every episode is based on stuff that we've experienced in our past. And I went to a religious uh, college, but I also grew up going to church. And um, I loved growing up in the church, but there are a lot of things that are funny. We had very funny experiences. Um, and, you know, prayer requests is one of my favorites. And the fact that someone would pray for their haters, like Miranda says, she'd pray for their haters, but maliciously, not in a kind way. Um was interesting and funny to me. But the choir aspect of this whole episode was inspired from actual um, events in my beginning of my career. So when we were writing the show, we talked about every experience I had in the beginning of my career and saw, figured out what we thought we could make episodes out of. And in the beginning of my career, one of my first gigs was performing with an, a choir. Um, and I did it a couple of times. And so the concept of Miranda performing with a choir was so bizarre and um, odd and funny to the writer's room that we wanted to write it into an episode. So um, here we have Bethany talking to Keith at the church about singles night. This is where we find out about singles night. Um, a lot of people had questions. Oh, sorry, Chris, were you about to say something? Oh, there was, there was a, a, like a shot that got cut out of this. I think it was this scene uh -huh. right here of uh, it, it just said like an old man yes. is eating donuts. Mm -hmm. It's that it's was coming up this right here. Yeah, it's coming up right after this. You'll see. He's not. Oh, is it's it, not it's in it. It got there? cut, and I think we should definitely yeah, talk about cut. it. Yeah. So you're about to see Miranda eating donuts, and Patrick walks up to her um, to talk to her. But that how that scene started is you're you're correct. It started with it says in the script, old man um, is eating donuts. Miranda Ope comes up, takes a bite of a powdered donut, and the and spits it out. The powder gets, the powder everywhere. gets everywhere. She spits it out and says, like, "What the heck? There's no jelly. What a ripoff." And the powder gets all over this old man. And we cast this incredible man, like so amazing, obsessed with him. Um, he was so perfect. Uh, and then we had to cut that scene. And we actually brought him back for episode, I think it's episode five of this season for the Annie episode. It's the Annie episode. He comes in yeah. and he auditions. And, he, and so we told everyone who auditioned that episode that they could kind of do whatever for their audition, sing whatever. And he ended up doing like a Shakespeare monologue and was like very impressive and incredible because from the looks of him, he looks like he's on his last breath. Like he looks like he's not going to last much longer. That's just how he was playing the characters we were asking him to play. But we found out he's this incredible 
talented actor um, who has all this experience in Shakespeare. And so we ended up hiring him season two uh, for a bigger part because he was just so great in season one. And he ended up getting cut from the scene here in the church with the powdered sugar donuts. Um, so yeah, here comes, we're now in the fish store. Uncle Jim was fired in episode one from the fish store. Um, and he's here to ask for his job back. So, um, this scene, I remember Christopher, when we were in the editing room for this scene, we were obsessed with girl from Impanina, Impanima. I think the song is called that song. We wanted to be like the background music. And we we're like, it was, it made the scene so funny for some reason. Yeah. Like the scene is funny, but like when you had that song playing in the background, like it sounded like it was supposed to be like on the radio playing in the fish store. We were like dying of laughter in the editing room and we tried to get the rights to it and it was so expensive. We could have you look like I don't I the origins of that song. I I look back and now I'm glad we didn't use it. Oh, I don't know anything like, about it. <laughs> it's just like it's not it's not a song that I would want to like promote, but like <laughs> okay. the, but but the sound of it, like that just we the tune up, of it was so yeah. great in this scene. We ended up finding a song that was pretty good. Um for the background anyway. But I love the scene. Harvey is a great improviser. Uh, the guy who he was the manager of the fish store. He's like putting tape on his fingernails for no reason, which we didn't tell him no, to do that. He's, he was just like sitting there doing right. it. But Steve and him improving was really funny. And he calls him Harvey in this in the in the uh, script. His character, Harvey's character doesn't have a, have a name, but he Steve needs to have everyone. Everyone has to have a name because he likes to talk to you mm -hmm. in the scene and improvise. Now, um, the scene that we're going into now is uh, Miranda and Bethany just got home from church and they're talking to Emily, Miranda's sister. Um, and this scene is my favorite scene in this episode uh, because they're talking about church. I love Miranda's. There's one line that we gave Miranda here that I think is so funny. It's church, Emily. It's not about being in the spotlight. It's about getting on God's good side. So he'll do stuff for you later. I think it's the funniest line because um, it's how so many people look at <laughs> that. Um, but this scene is so funny because there's a lot of improv between um me and Steve and Bethany when we're making fun of Emily's diary. And it's something that we still, your kids quote all the time. My yeah, dad quotes all the, all time. the time. The weak locks. The weak locks. Oh, I'm Emily and I have weak locks. So there was so much improv here. It was, this scene was so difficult to edit because yeah, it was hard to cut down. It was so because it was hard. So, the, there was so much funny material. And I just remember Netflix coming back because this episode was too long. And, episode, and Netflix was like, you guys got to cut some stuff out. And this was a scene we had to cut stuff out of. And I had such a hard time picking my favorite improvs um, because... Well, to be fair, the first cut of this scene was a half hour I long. I believe so that. I understand. Um, and I love how Bethany ends the scene. Like Emily leaves and then Bethany's <laughs> final improv of like, my name is Emily. <laughs> it's like so funny. Um, I love the hierarchy of the family too. Yeah. The fact that it's like always harp on Emily unless she's gone. Then it's Bethany's yes. turn. Yeah. So it's, uh, I love that scene. We're moving into the uh, Miranda's crash in the choir rehearsal because she has a crush on Owen. And you know, I'm going to actually pause it here because I want to show you something. So this video... <laughs> is me performing with this choir in Sacramento. And it's like these incredible singers. It's this beautiful choir. And then Miranda just like butchering the song. And the audience was so confused. 
because the audience came to watch a choir performance and were met with Miranda interrupting every song with solos. And the choir director just thought it was so funny that um, he had me come up and do it uh, to Sacramento to do it. And I stayed with him at his house. I didn't know who he was. I'd never met him. I'd never heard of them or, and, um, you know, he said, do you have a place to stay while you're here? And I said, no, he's like, you can sleep on my couch. And I slept on this man's couch and he was so sweet. Um, it's a different world than it, it was back then. I wouldn't do that now, but <laughs> I love these old performances. Like you had mentioned earlier that I went to New York with mm -hmm. you and it was sort of the same thing then. It's like you would show up on stage and it would be like a handful of people in an audience. They'd be like, is that that girl? Yeah. That, I think that's, I think that's actually her. And there was like, a, you had this base of people that were like really into you as an internet personality but nobody else knew who right. you were. And so this type of performance happened all the time. And I love watching yeah. this because it's it's so, I don't know. It's very like Andy Kaufman-y. Like right. not everyone's in on the joke. Right. And it's a lot of fun it to was see so that fun. dynamic. So before we hop back into the scene uh, in the choir rehearsal room, uh, we are going to say thank you to our next sponsor for the day. You guys, No Days Wasted is here to change your life. It has certainly changed ours. Now, listen, I'm not a very big drinker. Um, and part of the reason is because whenever I drink, I feel disgusting the next day. Well, not anymore. No Days Wasted has helped so much with that. Now, Eric does love uh, a casual glass of wine pretty often. And No Days Wasted has helped him, you know, be able to be a dad every day. Not that he isn't a dad when he's had wine, but um, it does help him uh, not feel gross while he's being a dad the next day. No Days Wasted is here to help you maximize life's moments, just like it's done for us. DHM Detox is an amazing herbal supplement, which is essentially a vitamin for when you drink. We all need a little support when we have a couple drinks so we can get back to life feeling our best the next day. And like I said, this has helped Eric so much and me, but Eric specifically, he doesn't have to focus on, oh, I have a stomach ache or whatever. I feel kind of groggy. He can just focus on um, being a dad and hanging out with our awesome kid and, uh, he, he doesn't have as many issues as he did before with that yucky feeling you get sometimes. So life is all about balance. And that's what DHM Detox helps with. Imagine this. You have a few drinks in the evening. You're having a great time. And the next morning, you wake up feeling normal. It can happen. DHM Detox uses researched science to help boost your body's natural response to alcohol and help break down those toxins. It's built on the backbone of DHM, a wonderful herbal plant-based ingredient that has been used in Asia for centuries. Forget the brain fog, anxiety, and that gross next day feeling. You just take two little capsules after your first couple drinks and it goes to work. If you're having a bigger night, you can just double it up and take two packets. So how much is your next day worth? For just a couple of dollars, you can bounce back and support your liver all at once. It's a completely risk-free purchase. So if you don't love it, don't worry about it. They will refund you on your first box. So this is a very easy decision, guys. You might as well try it because if you don't love it, they refund you. So what's your issue? You should try it out. I've got you guys 20% off your first order and free shipping in the US. Just head over to nodayswasted.co slash relax and use promo code relax at checkout. That's nodayswasted.co slash relax for 20% off your order. Go check it out, guys, and feel better after a night out. Oh, 
Love them. Thank you for the sponsor. You are the best. All right, we're hopping back into the episode. Um, so Miranda has just entered the choir rehearsal. We're going to push play here. Um, so Miranda interrupts. And so the guy who plays Owen. <laughs> handshake. The handshake. Miranda's weird finger handshake is always so uncomfortable. Oh, fun fact. In the background, one of the people in the choir is the mother of the girl who plays Fern in season two, the imposter of Miranda in season two, there's a little girl who is the impostitute, as Miranda says, who's um, impostering Miranda. Her mom is in the choir. And when we hired Fern in season two, um, the girl who played Fern in season two, her mom shows up to set and I was like, she looks so familiar. And she's like, I was in the choir episode. I was in the choir. I just think that's so crazy. Um, but anyway, casting Owen was very fun because we wanted mm-hmm. Owen to be this like hot shot gorgeous man that's way out of Miranda's league. And uh, so you can imagine what the audition process was like. We saw a lot of very interesting people. And the audition had, um, it said that he had to be playing guitar and, you know, uh, what, you know, smooth talker guitar play. So everyone came in with a guitar. Everyone's audition tapes that they sent in, they were using guitar. And uh, the guy we ended up casting as Owen, his audition tape, he's Canadian. He sent in an audition tape and he played harmonica. He didn't have a guitar. Yeah. He had a harmonica and he was wearing like what can only be described as a woman's white blouse. Like it was like the strangest. It's very low cut. It was, yeah, like I remember our, one of our writers, Justin, who actually wrote this episode, he was like, is he wearing a woman's blouse when we were watching? And he was like playing harmonica. And so you would think, oh, he's playing harmonica. Because he knows how to play that instrument, but he didn't know how to play it. So it's like he might as well have been holding a guitar because he didn't know how to play the harmonica either. But he was, he like oozed the essence of Owen. He was just, I feel. It was like he, he played him in such a different way than everybody else did too. Yeah. Like it, he's like somewhat like the thing he was able to say really hurtful things in an endearing yes, way. Yes, which is exactly what we wanted. Cause Owen's not mean. He's just kind of, ignorant that maybe some of the things he's saying could come across as unkind, um, which is kind of <laughs> Jim doing. We're now in the scene where Jim's doing a ribbon dancer in the front yard. Just, taking, oh, I, I, I must be a little bit ahead of you because he just, jumped <laughs> yeah, I just the got there. Yeah, so he jumped in the bushes. Um, I will say this scene here, Emily comes home and sees that Jim, Uncle Jim has uh, has no job. He's lied to the family, said he got his job back and he didn't. And so Emily's like, hey, you got to get a job, bro. I will say, rewatching this episode last night, Christopher, mm-hmm. Emily's my favorite character in this episode, which I can't like, I can't believe, but like, she is, that character is so well written. And you know what's funny is that I was thinking about this because I actually listened to your last podcast where you yeah. watched uh, an episode and you had said that Emily was a combination of you and Rachel. Mm-hmm. And, and you. I always thought she was me. <laughs> well, but well, no. That's what... No, you didn't. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the reason you said that is because... Um, I'm pausing it because this is actually an interesting conversation. I'm pausing it. So uh, Emily and, and Uncle Jim are talking and, and Uncle Jim's in the bushes. But... She was kind of a combination of, yes, me and Rachel and you, but it was kind of just like, you know, kind of taking personality traits from all of us. But where that comes, what you're thinking of is because Francesca, the actress who plays Emily, who's wonderful, she on set, um, Christopher 
was really gr- had a great relationship with Francesca and was, um, you know, great at giving her like little tips and notes on certain scenes. And she, I think she took that as like, I think she said to you once, this character is based on you. Yes. Yeah. She, and I didn't correct That's her. what it, that's where this is coming from because <laughs> I, I, because she was using it and yeah, I was, and it was like, working. okay, that, like, that's great. That's fantastic. I'm not going to like tell you that you're wrong, but I do think that, that, that character is supposed to be every. Yes. Yes. Like, and so, and so when, when you said that it was like based off of you and Rachel and I went, well, I thought I had a lot to do with that character too, in terms mm-hmm. of like inspiration mm-hmm. for it. It's because that character is supposed to be sort of the the I, I want to say typical eyes right. on Miranda. Yeah. The the and what I the typical relationship that a person would exactly. have with Miranda. And what I meant when I said it was based on me and Rachel is just the the concept of just like your normal everyday girl. Mm-hmm. Like she's not super prissy she's not super tomboy she's not she's just like a girl like if you saw me on the street you'd be like there's a brunette an average brunette girl like not the prettiest girl in the world not the ugliest girl in the world not just like a girl just like she could blend in with the crowd type of girl and i feel like that's how i've always felt my whole life um but yeah in in talking with francesca i think she had she, a, like, yeah she really felt it a george you, yeah. costanza larry david moment mm-hmm. where she was like wait a second now I now I see what's going mm-hmm. on here, and and I was like, well, it's it's kind of you know, it's everybody. Like I was really weak in defending yeah. that, <laughs> but but um, but yeah, I let her believe it, and and um, she used it. She used it really well. I she did, and I honestly last night when I was rewatching this episode, I the lines I laughed out loud at were hers. Like mm-hmm. I, she's so well written, and. The way this episode plays out, like her performances just look so great. And I was like, I was very like, I was surprised because every time I've watched this prior to now, which was in the editing room five years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, um, Steve's lines were the ones that made me laugh out loud. Uh, Uncle Jim and and mm-hmm. Angela and, you know, and so the and obviously, Patrick, of course, like Patrick, Patrick's yeah. look from behind your shoulder at Owen was like so funny, so golden. Um, so the fact that when I wa- rewatched it, I was like, Emily's like my favorite character, like in this episode. It's it's so funny how years later that shifted. But anyway, we're going to keep watching now. So um, where I'm pushing play right now and Jim's talking to Emily in the bushes here. And um, now we're getting back into the choir scene. And Miranda's annoying everyone with her talents. By the way, um, when you're when you're filming scenes like this where people are singing and there's music, you can't have music. So everyone was lip syncing and faking singing. And the ADR, where later we record the sound and put it in to their voices, it's me. I mean, we had other people doing the ADR, but a lot of it is me trying to match. I was in the booth. So a lot of the voices you hear in there are actually mine. Um, this prayer request section, I was very much inspired from my college experience and people having very interesting prayer requests. And this improv is maybe my favorite improv in the whole episode. And it was from myself, which I hate to say, like, I don't want to sound braggy, but I just, the Dylan, the guy who plays Owen was so sweet, such a wonderful guy. Um, But he was so funny to me because he, he had this line, like, I don't want people to just look at my, pay attention to my looks. There's also something wonderful in here. And he's supposed to place his hand on his heart, but he placed his hand on his stomach. And so I, 
with like was like what is he doing in the moment i remember thinking like why do you put his hand on his stomach does he not get that the line he's supposed to be putting it on his heart and so i said your stomach like and he didn't laugh like he kept going with it which was great and no one laughed like we all just like went with it but the fact that like we never corrected it we were never like put your hand on your heart we just went with it and it ended up in the episode i really really love that um so uh, now we're Miranda's getting kicked out of the choir, essentially, is what is happening. She's decided she's going to make it her new passion to find true love. And she's decided Owen is going to be her true love. And she's going to join the church choir. But because she's so obnoxious, um, she's going to get kicked out of the choir. And the scene here with Keith, um, you know, the pastor at the church, he's kicking her out. And I love the concept of it happening in this kid's preschool playroom the sunday school room the noah's ark mural in the background yeah it's the set uh deck the the (laughs) arts department did such a good job on this room it looks amazing and the way it's shot the way our director andrew gaynard shot so close to our face i think it's like one of my favorite looking scenes in the episode for sure and the fact that you're like on these little baby Mm -hmm. seats i think so when you stand up it's such a drastic change up to the ceiling those are the my favorite things in the scripts um, the dialogue I loved, obviously, but my favorite part about the scripts and reading the scripts and working on the scripts in the writer's room was those details, like the description of like Keith and Miranda are sitting on small child play yeah. chairs with their knees jetting, you know, like the way it described how we were sitting in these small chairs. It just set the scene so well, um, in the script. I love those moments. Um, here Patrick's come looking for Jim for dating advice for Miranda and Emily has a great line here. She says, I, um, I think it's something like uh, uncle Jim is the first person I would go to for advice on dating too, dating or advice. something like, and the, the dryness of how it's delivered. I just, I think that's so great. Um, and there goes Patrick. Now this, a little fun fact, uh, Originally, <laughs> Bethany just walked in in the ugliest dress in the world. Um, originally, Emily, there was a whole storyline where like Emily wanted everyone out of the house so she could clean the house. Do you remember this, Christopher? Yeah. The house is cleaner, actually, in these shots than it yeah, usually it is. Yeah, it gets worse as the season goes on and into the next season. But in this episode, originally, Emily had this whole storyline where she wanted everyone out of the house and she was excited. Miranda was going to be at the church and her mom was going to be at the church and Patrick was going to go. She was encouraging Patrick to go to the church to chase Miranda. Trying, and she wanted Jim to get a job so he'd be out of the house. She's trying to get everyone out of the house so that she could just make the house clean and have peace and quiet. And um, that ended up all getting cut. I think there's just too much going on in the episode. And instead, yeah. Emily's helping her mom and it, it made her more involved with the family, which is ends up ended up being way better. But um the this is another moment where there are a lot of good improvs when Angela Bethany, the Miranda's mom, is uh trying to come up with funny things to say. There was a really inappropriate line here that got cut because we had to change the show a little bit for the kids app. And mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was now, but there are some lines that were cut here that um, were a little bit more inappropriate. Angela kind of gave me some insight on her character. It, it was during this, I think it was this one. She didn't, she, she thought her character was starting to veer like a little too much like Angela from the office hmm. mm-hmm. in terms of like rigid, um, uh, you know. Yeah, conservative, so, yeah. So she, she talked to me about it a little bit 
And I was like, oh, you're absolutely right. And we ended up kind of massaging it a little bit and changing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. She, her character here, she like, she does want that stuff. You know, she, you know, she wanted to mm-hmm. be a little bit more provocative and she wanted to, it, yeah, she, she did a great job at changing the character enough so that it wasn't too close to her character on the office. I thought she did a really fabulous job with that. So yeah. Jim's is trying to sell stuff. And um, I remember in the editing or in the writer's room for this scene, we had so much fun coming up with what was going to be in his trunk. And yeah. wh- I will say I have a regret, Christopher. I have a regret. What's that? I've never thought I would have a regret with this show. And watching this scene, um, w- when you read this scene on paper, we were laughing out loud, like at the yeah. weird stuff that we were trying to decide what to put in his trunk. And you know, he like picks up an item and he goes, uh, you know, a naked baby sitting in an eggshell, a half used bottle of Jovan Musk. Like he's like saying the things out loud. He didn't need to. Like we should have just gotten great right. close ups of the items and Jim trying to justify what they are. Because on paper, it was so funny because you were reading and seeing in your mind what these items were. But I felt like watching it last night, I was like, oh, I feel like it's kind of killing the joke a little bit that he's saying what we're looking at like i just want to see the weird things up close like i wish we got an up close weird shots of these things with like hair on them and dirt on them and the collector looking at it like what is this you know saying stuff like that like gross like are you seriously trying to sell me this garbage and having jim try to justify why they're important i feel like would have been better but in the in the writer's room it was so funny to like say what they were it was everything was so specific Mm -hmm. down to the car that that Mm -hmm. type of car one of our writers was like it's got to be this Mm -hmm. car and nobody else knew what that car Mm -hmm. was but everyone was like okay you seem very passionate about this so yes that must be the car and then they went out and got that car for for it um also i don't think we shut down the street for that scene so when he's like running away he he like (laughs) i was like worried about him because that wasn't scripted from the run across the street in a diagonal fashion. So I, for all of these shots, I'm sitting either behind, like in the soundstage in the dark or in a tent in the dark. And we're either laughing or freaking out because we think that something wrong is going right. to happen. And that was one of those moments where we're like, oh, I don't think we, we didn't clear that. Right. He's improvising. Yeah. He's going rogue. And it stayed in. Uh, we're in the closet scene now where Patrick is trying to encourage Miranda to go after true love. He, of course, is talking about himself. And Miranda thinks he's talking about going to the choir and, and winning Owen back. This scene was the first like chemistry type of scene between Patrick and Miranda that we shot. And I remember two things. One, um, this was his callback scene with me. His chemistry read scene mm-hmm. with me was this scene. Um, but also this scene was the last scene I shot on I think week one, maybe week two. Um, and I immediately after we wrapped shooting that scene, I got in a car, went to the airport, got on a plane, flew overnight to I think Nashville or something. I, I had a show in Nashville. I had a show in um, DC at the Kennedy Center at some point in this while we were shooting this. Sh- flew overnight landed in the morning, went straight to a theater, did a tech, did a show, did a meet and greet. Next morning, got up early, flew back to Vancouver and went straight to set. It was like the craziest weekend. But that's what that scene makes me think of, that closet scene with Patrick. It always makes me think of um, that hectic weekend. But also our director was really adamant about it all being in one shot and like a slow pan into us, Mm -hmm. um, which I think turned out beautifully. Yeah, the combination of 
Andrew's directing and Eric's. Oh my God. Of, yeah. Of that stuff. Like I remember watching that scene. I obviously had a different experience than you did, but I remember when we were shooting that scene, just me being like, Oh man, the, the this is the, this connection is so magical. Mm-hmm. Like the, the combination of you, Eric and, and Andrew working together to, to make this relationship, mm-hmm. this on-screen relationship was so, it was, it was really yeah. cool. And I love Eric's performance in that scene so much. I remember um, when we were in the final stages of post-production on it, everyone was really pushing for there to be music behind it. They wanted like some sort of harp mm-hmm. playing, some angelic music um, playing as he's professing his love to her. And I just loved his delivery of the line in silence was so beautiful and heartfelt to me and, and, and made the tension even more of like, what's she going to say? Are they going to kiss? What's she about to say? Like, I loved the silence of it. Um, It was like awkward and painful. And it just reminded me of that first time a boy or a girl like professes their, they have a crush on you or they like you. And just the, the painfulness of that silence in that beautiful moment of being vulnerable, I loved. And everyone was pushing so much for music. And eventually they were like, all right, if you are really going to push that hard, Okay, we'll go with no music, but um, I think it would have worked either way. But I just really loved the idea of there being none. It it sort of edged on cheesy. Yes, like that's a little, how I felt. Yeah, too, it, like it got a little cheesy with no matter how delicate we were with the music. Yeah, um, yeah. So here, um, Miranda has infiltrated Singles Night. So Bethany and Emily show up to Singles Night together, um, and Bethany is met up with Keith, and now Miranda has run in and interrupted the whole thing, and she is. Uh, going to try to win Owen's heart by singing some awful song. (laughs) Not an awful song, just an awful rendition of the song. Miranda's version of Don't You Wish Your Girlfriend Was Hot Like Me is a little inappropriate to sing at a church gathering. I love the shots of the background. Me too. Picking those out was so so much fun in in post. I feel like, yeah, finding great shots of the background of um, the extras, what it really helps the um, tone of the show. Like, Mm-hmm. The, you get you really get the because vibe that's, of the I mean, town. That was in. what was interesting. Like I said before, it was the reaction that people had to Miranda mm-hmm. in those early performances that you did. That's that's what was really interesting. So finding that within the show, finding moments where we could have that was really fun as well. Yeah. Um. So this guy, uh, the guy who plays Keith here, he, I remember him improving here for like a year, like just going on and on mm-hmm. and on as like this pastor who's. I remember, I think it was you, Christopher, in the writer's room who said like you wanted him to like preach with so much heart and conviction to where everyone believes what he's saying, but he's saying nothing like, like the type of pastor or preacher who just, he says things and you're like, yeah, amen. But when you think about what he's saying, you're like, he said literally nothing. He said no words. He said nothing with any meaning. Um, and that's kind of the vibe we wanted Keith to have. Like, and he did a very good job at that. Um, I'm going to pause it for a second. Um, where are you on the episode, Christopher? I'm, I'm where Owen and Miranda I'm, are about to go outside. Oh, I, he, he's just closed the yeah, door. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. So yeah. uh, everyone pause right where Owen is kind of kicking Miranda out. And this is a perfect example of what you're talking about earlier, where he did such a great job at like, he's being mean but like you don't feel like he's being mean Mm -hmm. like he's kicking her outside but he's like so sweet about it that you're like did he do that on purpose or was that an accident like you can't really tell um which is the vibe we wanted for him he is 
he was so sweet. And I, I just remembered a story I wanted to tell earlier about his blouse, which I love that he's kind of wearing a white blouse in this scene. Um, it's a button up, but it's, it reminds me of his blouse. So he, I remember when, uh, you know, we were doing scenes together later in the season, you know, in between takes, the actors kind of chat and hang out. And he was the nicest guy. Um, and he was telling me um, that he did this uh, retreat he was like, I did this retreat last year. It was so awesome. And it was in, I think he was in, I think he said he was somewhere in Asia. And he's like, we're in the mountains and there's just like a group of us. And there was no talking aloud. And we all just kind of followed everything. This like one guy said he was so awesome. And we all wore the same like white shirt. And I was like, is this the white shirt that you wore in your audition? He's like, yeah, I did wear that for my audition. I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, we were all wearing that like matching white shirt. We all wore matching clothes and we just stayed there and we, and he started explaining it. And I go, Dylan, I think you were in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, I think it was a cult. <laughs> I was like, what? But he would always say stuff like that where I was like, what are you talking about? There's another time where we were sitting there and, and he, we were in the middle of a conversation and he just stopped talking. And I was like, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I just, I just became really aware that I have a tongue. And I was like, what? He's like, do you ever just get really aware of your tongue in your mouth? And I was like, no, I can't say that I have. He's like, whoa, it's wild. He was, he was like the sweetest guy. He was really funny. Um, uh, but he, he was the reason that I, I, that put, um, Mel on my radar, the old man from that scene. Cause they they were in the scenes together. I didn't talk to Mel at mm-hmm. all, but I did talk to the actor who played Owen and he came up to me and was like, do you know who that guy is? Mm-hmm. And he started telling me all about his like Shakespeare background and stuff. And I was like, no, I had no idea. And then that's part of why we were, we were kind of like, Hey, maybe we, maybe we call that guy back in and have him, have him play, play in the, uh, the Annie thing. And, um, yeah, he was so great. Yeah, so he's the he's the reason for that that casting decision. That's amazing. Um, because he had talked to him and then came up and like talked to me about it. Yeah, he's Dylan's great. He was the, the perfect casting choice for this role. I thought he did such a good job. Um, before we move on, we're almost done with the episode. We're getting into a really great scene. Um, it is time to say a little thank you to our next beautiful, incredible sponsor. So here we go. Oh my gosh. I hope you guys are feeling relaxed and calm listening to this episode of Relax. But if you're not, I can help you out, you know, because of this next sponsor. Calm is wonderful and has changed our lives. Springtime is here, and that means we get to look forward to brighter days ahead. But some of us might be feeling like our mental health is still stuck in the winter. I know that's how I feel. So if you're feeling blue like me and need a mental reset, it's the perfect time to give Calm a try. This app is amazing, and it's something Eric and I have been using for a long time now, and it really does help us reset our mind and reset our day when we're feeling funky, when we're feeling down, when we're feeling tired. Um, It really helps just to refocus the day um, and to give you that calm, relaxed feeling that you might be yearning for. We are so excited to be partnering with Calm, the number one mental wellness app to give you the tools that improve the way you feel. Clear your head with guided daily meditations, improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks, and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. And if you go to calm.com slash rc 
CCE, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming and new content is added every single week. So even if you think you've gone through everything, you haven't. They're going to add more. It's amazing. Over 100 million people around the world use Calm to take care of their minds, sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. I use this app almost every single night when my mind is racing. It is so helpful to calm my mind down when I can't sleep. I very strongly recommend So if you are a wonderful listener of this show and you want to check it out, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash R-C-E. So go to C-A-L-M-D-O-T-C-O-M slash R-C-E for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. Guys, check it out. Stop waiting. Go try it out. That's calm.com slash RCE. All right. Let's keep going, guys. We're almost to the end of the episode. Um, We're pushing play as Owen has just shoved Miranda out the door. And I remember this scene um, being a nightmare in post-production because somehow we did not catch this while we were shooting it. But as the camera pans in on Miranda looking through the door, we could see in the reflection the cameraman. And um, it was such a pain in the butt to edit out in post-production. And I remember it being very expensive and them telling me that it was very expensive. They're like, this is so much money. I was like, well, we ha- we don't have a choice. Like we, ha- we can't see the cameraman in the shot. Um, I don't know how we didn't catch that on the day, but you know. I, I think it was the end of the day and we were very yeah. rushed at this location. Yeah. I remember it felt like every day was like this, but this day in particular, I remember being in the tent and us being like, okay, let, let's, let's just get mm-hmm. the shot. We got to get this shot. Oh, uh, we didn't like... Th- we need to do it again for this reason, but it was very quick paced at this point yeah. because it was the end of the day. Um, and by the end of the day, I actually mean the beginning of the next I know. Yes. We went home at, at the sunrise usually. So I am um, uh, Miranda and Bethany are chatting out in the parking lot of the church. And I just, when I watched the scene, I just remember it being frigid. It was the middle of the night and Vancouver is cold and I'm in a skirt. And I just remember every time they yelled cut, they would run huge puffy jackets with hand warmers to me and Angela. And we'd had hand warmers, like warmer thingies in our shoes, in our pockets, like on our body, like wrapped to our, like it was so cold. And I would run over and grab, um, we were drinking hot tea in between every take just to try to get something warm in our body. I just remember being freezing during the scene. Um, but Angela does such a great job in the scene. She's so sweet. And you really feel for her um, in this scene. My runaway. Oh, this is the I remember having so many conversations about this last scene with Uncle mm-hmm. Jim. About like, how are we gonna do this? Yeah. There's no way to do it. Yeah, Uncle Jim is basically paying his way to get his job back. Um, so we find out that he sold all his stuff, he sold his car just to pay to get his job back at the fish store. So we're at the fish store here. And we decided that we wanted him to quit the job immediately after he got the job and walk out with Miranda. Um, Cause Miranda has this come back and after being inspired by her mother, her mother's speech, she says, I'm going back on the internet. And so Jim's like, you know what? Then I don't need a job. Now in that scene, I, I just want to point out Christopher, if you want to rewind a little tiny bit, 
if everyone watching wants to rewind a little tiny bit on that last scene where Miranda says, I'm going back on the internet. If you look, the, the shot is on Uncle Jim as he's like starting to mm-hmm. dig out the fish. If you see me in the background, you kind of see my arms kind of jiggle like this. Mm-hmm. It's because my mic pack fell right when I entered the scene, but I didn't want to ruin the scene. So I didn't want to be like, ah, oh, stop, my mic pack fell. So I just like tried to catch it with my hand and I missed it. And it's dangling. Um, you don't see it, but you see me frantically trying to like stay in character, but also catch my mic pack. So if you look closely, you can see that, which is strange. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the episode guys. We did it. We watched episode two. Um, so we do have like a lot of wonderful questions from viewers. Um, but overall, I mean, Christopher, how did you feel watching episode two just now? It brought back a lot of memories. Yeah, doesn't it? A lot of a lot of good memories. I remember I remember uh sitting in that like behind the wall of that fish store mm-hmm. for hours. And the set that they built for it's that amazing that scene, because all of that outside stuff is inside mm-hmm. like the outer area. And coming up with all those like uh, signs. business names and I stuff. I will say Eric found out in the podcast last time what fishies fish easy was like he was like fish easy we kept talking about it and i was like christopher came up with that name fish easy and he was like <gasps> he had no idea that it was like fish easy i'm paused on something that you can see gwen's fashion uh-huh which is our mom's name yeah based on our mom and there was ms g's mm-hmm. msg's food which is msg mm-hmm. there are all those great yeah, signs i had a lot of fun like <laughs> coming up with terrible names for i know i wish we could have kept all those signs like i would love to have those signs just up in my house miss g's gwen's fashion fish easy that would have been really nice to just have as the decor in my home all right so we do have a bunch of questions from you guys about the episode i wonder how many we answered while watching um alicia asked what scene was the hardest to film and why um i i would i would assume it would be the high school ribbon dancer scene because we had so many extras that day. And anytime you have a lot of cast members, oh, he's saying no. What was the hardest? You're wrong. What's, what was the hardest one to film? Well, I guess it wasn't the hardest one to shoot. It was just the most unlikely one to shoot. And it is, it was uh, Patrick on the horse in the boat. Oh, well, yeah, of course. But we're talking about this episode. But that one was. Oh, for this yeah, episode. Yeah, that one was. This episode, the most drama was behind him pushing over the fish tank. That was the most drama, yeah. Because, because they were like, well, do we need we need to have to, we only have enough budget to have two of these oh, tanks yeah. and we'll have to clean it in between yeah. and we were like uh, i remember one of our showrunners just being like listen this is how stunts work <laughs> you just put a whole bunch of cameras on it one of them's going to work and you push over the thing it, we we drove a car through a wall on my other show just do the yeah. thing you only get one take it's fine let's just do it but they were so concerned about having the ability to reshoot drama, it yeah. and we only shot it once mm-hmm. and it was perfect um, um oh so so funny so funny I, I love that. I'm trying to think. What a if, great way to end a scene. Yeah, I, I love that. And also the music that ends the episode is like my favorite. And it dun 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 dun. It sounds like a honey I shrunk the kids type of soundtrack or something. <laughs> like it's it's so intense and so f- I love that song from uh this season of music. But I'm trying to think if there are other scenes that were harder. I know that the um the 
ribbon dancer scene with all the extras. That was just, it was just a hard day because we're at a school that was a working school. There were students at that school Mm -hmm. while we were shooting it. And we had all those extras. And um, I remember there was no air conditioning in there. It was very hot or the air conditioning was too loud. So it was like a bajillion degrees in there. We had fireworks and- um, This happened a couple of times, but I remember I I worked side by side with Andrew, the the director, a lot. Like I was, I- the first thing that would happen in the day is I would go get a breakfast burrito, sit down with him and talk, mm-hmm. talk over the shots and stuff like every day. That's what we did. And it was so uh, educational mm-hmm. for me. I, I loved it. Um, but I, I remember that day in particular, him just throwing out a 50% of the shots that he had planned because it was so hectic. There were so many people and it, he was just like, there's no way I'm going to get all of, all of what I want. He had so much more, that that was one of the few things where he ha- actually hired a storyboard artist to storyboard out. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? It was like yeah, he had this on, whole like, it was like storyboard comic book. of how he wanted that. He was very passionate about that flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember him just being so sad because he uh, half the shots that he had planned, yeah. he just didn't have time to do because of all the complications. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm just now remembering um, the scene at the beginning of his flashback where he's at the locker looking at Mm -hmm. his ribbon. We shot that, I think on the last day of shooting the the season because we didn't have that locker set yet. That locker Mm -hmm. set was the fish store. I think, um, yeah, that fish store was the locker room. mm -hmm. It was the magic, Mm -hmm. um, like audition Mm -hmm. place. It was the mattress store. Mm -hmm. Like that was all the same building that they had tore down rebuilt and repainted to look different it was all the same, same structure set, yeah. basically the same wall panels so um but i just remember we we block shot the show so the first three episodes we shot in the first two weeks and then the next two weeks we shot the next two episodes and the final few weeks whatever it was we shot the last three episodes so we shot all the first three episodes all together but that was the one scene that we shot um in the like on the last day i think we shot that locker yeah. room scene and we also shot um, the scene where Eric runs and finds his suit in the magic box in his bedroom. I think we shot that on the last day too. So there's a lot of scenes that were little, little shots like that, where he's like just looking at his ribbon in the locker room, Eric looking at his suit. We had to reshoot. We had to reshoot, um, Steve uh, giving you that talk leading into the flashback. We had to reshoot that for some reason. I don't remember why. Oh, but we had to reshoot it like the same way. And his hair is a slightly different length. You're so if right. you go back and look at it, yes, the, his hair like grows out really quick and then gets That's short true. again. Yeah. I wonder why. We I don't remember do why we had to reshoot it. I think there was some audio issue or something. Huh. And we were so upset because that's where hair that was improv a different, yeah. happened. And we ended up keeping the improv, but we had to reshoot mm-hmm. it. So his hair changes. I forgot length. about that. That's so true. Yeah. So there was um, when you're shooting you, you know, drop scenes throughout the day because you it's it's a lot of work to shoot. We are doing like this might not make sense to anyone who doesn't know anything about the TV industry, but like 11, 12, sometimes 13 pages in a day, which is insane. Like that's yeah too many. That's paced. too many pages of a script to shoot in one day. Um, so uh, we never finished all the scenes we needed to shoot. So they'd all get pushed to the end. And so those those little scenes were the ones that would get dropped. And so, um, yeah, Eric looking at a suit and the locker room scene were shot, I think, on the last day um, mm-hmm. of shooting everything. Um, 
So, uh, I do want to take, I have a bunch of questions from you guys. There's one more sponsor we want to say thank you to. How could we forget them? They're incredible. So, uh, let's do it. Okay, guys, I'm so excited to talk to you about our next sponsor, which is Next Door. Between buying and selling lost and found pets and offering help to neighbors, there's a lot to keep up with in your neighborhood. To stay up to date, I'm telling you guys, you need to check out Nextdoor. Nextdoor is a free app that securely connects verified neighbors so you always know what's happening in your local area. You can post and read about your community in real time. Nextdoor is always relevant to where you live and you can access it right from your phone. You can buy and sell items, find a last minute pet sitter, connect with interest groups, hear recommendations for local businesses, and share safety information. With Nextdoor, you can even count on your neighbors to help in any need-to-know situations such as timely weather concerns concerns or local updates. For everything that's happening, there's Nextdoor, the free neighborhood hub. This app is not only like really helpful, but it's also like kind of fun. Like Eric and I like to just go on there and just kind of see what's going on around the neighborhood. So I love it because there have been times where I have needed like a cup of sugar late at night when I am making cookies. And I hate going up to people's front doors and knocking and waiting awkwardly for them to open the door. It's so nice to just like use the app, figure out who has what you need and you can just go pick it up. It's, or they can bring it to me. It's amazing. Eric has found old pieces that he can, um, refurbish. I think that's what it's called. Eric's not here to correct me on my idiocy, but, um, he likes to like make old things look cool. So old furniture, pieces of wood looking chair things. I don't know if Eric were here, he'd be laughing at me, but, um, he loves finding stuff like that through the app. Um, and also it's just great to figure out, um, any safety concerns, um, anything we're worried about. We can check the app, um, to make sure we're safe. It's, it's just all around a really great app with a lot of wonderful features that we love to use. So go to nextdoor.com slash relax to sign up and see what your neighbors are talking about. Be sure to use the link to sign up so they know you support our show. This really helps us out when you guys use our links. So make sure to do it if you're going to check it out. All right. That's nextdoor.com slash relax to join your neighborhood today. Oh, love them. They're the best. We have a few more questions we want to get to, guys. I hope this is entertaining or interesting to any of you listening. Um, so uh, Miriam said, was episode two based off your real life choir experience? And it, it was, like I mentioned a few times while we were watching it, it... Um, we, Christopher and I first, when we were first writing the show, wrote down all of my interesting experiences from the beginning of my career on post-it notes. And we filled a wall with post-it notes of all the interesting or strange stories and experiences that I had. And then we pick from that our favorites, things that we think are most compelling or could fit a storyline the best. And, um, you know, then we would bring that to the writer's room, our favorites, and then we would kind of do that process all over again with them and then storyboard it all out and see what fits where and what we want episodes to be based on. And um, Miranda singing with a choir was just kind of interesting to everyone slash my background in the church and the and the interesting and funny stories I have from those experiences. The fact that we brought a church into it, like I was a little worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what we tried to do was really... Not, we weren't making fun of church no. or no, religion. No, no, no. We were kind of poking fun at the way people uh, misuse it or yes. or uh, twist it in a weird way to serve their own purposes. Right. Uh, even down to like the, the dating night or the singles night. Right. I went to events like that at church and they would like twist a, a verse or like a parable or something that really meant something bigger. 
and they would kind of package it up to serve something silly that they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I hope nobody like saw that and went like, oh, they're making fun of church or God. No, because our it goal- was really like it was very much like the human element of it. The the yeah, the self-serving element of it is is what we found. I don't know. Our goal, we talked about a lot in the writer's room. Um, Our goal was never to, our goal was so that people who don't know anything about church or don't care about religion and it's not interesting to them, they would find it funny and entertaining. And people who do go to church and it's their life and um, they would find it entertaining and funny too. We were trying to do it in a way that like, because Miranda is a combination of every, everything that's ever, um, annoyed me or bothered me I've put into this character she's an idiot and so if someone does something stupid or ridiculous I put it into the character and so when I saw people I was raised in the church I went to a religious university when I saw people preaching one thing but then kind of being a hypocrite and doing the exact opposite or using the word of God to uh, for their own selfish motives and twisting the words. Those were things that I was like, well, I'm going to put that into this idiot character. Um, and so that's where that comes from. It's not, uh, we're not saying a blanket statement of like, it's all bad or whatever. So that's what we really tried to do. And I feel like we had a great way of doing that in the writer's room because we had people from every background of, um, religious experiences and and our current views on everything were all so different. So we had to make sure everyone in the writer's room felt comfortable and confident and not offended and all found it funny. And, you know, we all had family members who felt different ways. So we had a lot of places to bounce ideas off of. And our intention was never to make fun of. It was more pointing out the flaws in like um, humans, selfish motives when it comes to stuff like that. And um, it was really fun to to do. It was like a fun, a fun experience. Um, Ari said, what was Keith like in real life? He was really nice. He was really, really nice. Um, my favorite story about him is Angela. I think she, her trailer shared a wall of her trailer shared a wall with me, but somehow she said in her trailer, she always could hear him singing. He was always, he was always singing, singing all like he came into the audition just singing. singing. And he like, like walked into the room and was like, hello, everybody. Yeah, he's great. He's really beautiful voice. Yeah. Better Always than that singing. voice that I just used. Like up until we'd say action, he was like singing something, telling a story, talking on the phone. He's just like a big personality, really sweet, really funny. Um, he was great. He was he was really sweet. Uh, Kaylee asked a question. I guess this question's for you, Christopher. What's oh, the, wow. what's the craziest thing that Colleen did on set? I mean, a I mean, lot the, of things. I know the whole time it was kind of crazy. So I don't know that you can pick one thing. I think the, I think the weirdest thing was the bubble gum thing, but I played a part in that as well. Yeah. You chewing bubble gum and giving it to yeah, me. Me pre-chewing your bubble gum and then you actually accepting it. And it was the last resort. In my defense, we've told the story before, but to anyone who doesn't know it, I was eating popsicles and it made my mouth very cold. So then I had a hard time chewing the frozen bubble gum in a frozen a mouth and blowing a bubble. It was really hard because you have to get the bubble gum to be like very elastic and warm in order to blow a bubble. And we were running out of time, but we really wanted the shot of me blowing a bubble so Patrick could pop it. And so Christopher, in our very eager green, you know, we wanted to show that we meant business on set mindset. He was like, 
I don't know if that's what it showed. I feel like <laughs> you just showed where it's insane. But Chris, I, I chewed some bubble gum and stood just out, out of the shot. And then when it was time to uh, to switch out the gum that she a bit off of the froze toes for the one that she would blow the bubble with, I handed her my bubble yeah. gum and she blew a bubble with that. That's what happened. That was gross. That was really gross, Christopher. Um, but the craziest thing I did on set, I mean, every day there was something crazy. Yeah. To me, the, the craziest thing was the fact that I was dressed like Miranda and usually in some other bizarre costume as well, like the taco costume in season two or, um, you know, cover, I did the rain scene. I'm soaking wet or the popsicle scene. There's popsicle all over my the face. Parade float where you're the on top fl- of an uncle. Jim. Yeah. There's, I was always in a weird situation and it was for me, the hardest thing was like, I then also was making a lot of decisions on set with the team. And so being dressed like a taco with lipstick all over my face and dripping wet and like going up to people and being like, no, I need this shot like this, or actually we need this prop set here, or where is this thing? Or I need another take like this, you know, asking for things and trying to be taken seriously. I think a few times you actually told me to tell people stuff because it was like, well, he's not in lipstick, like all over his face and like dressed in this weird, I was, I would seemed kind of normal and like in charge. So you would go like, Hey, can you can you relay this? I tried. It's not working out. Yeah. So then I would go up and be like, hey, this is this would be a good way of doing it. Right. And I think it was the difference between being dressed like Miranda and not. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about working with Christopher and something I should have mentioned at the beginning of this episode is <clears throat> our brains. We always say that we have the same brain, like we share a brain. We don't have the same brain. I feel like we both have one half of the same brain. Do you know what I mean? So like we we're always on the same wavelength on on set. So I could be on set and he's in Video Village watching on monitors, you know, many feet away. Um, like I'm in the house and he's outside the house looking in monitors. And I would need like props on the ground moved, you know, something very specific and random. And I could look into the camera lens and knowing Christopher's watching the monitor and just kind of like give a look. And he would know exactly what I was thinking. He probably was already thinking it. And he'd be like, there oh, wait, times, pause. There were times when you asked for something and I was already at the like the yeah. set door coming in to do the thing. Like there was where you'd look at the camera and be like, can we get someone to, oh, oh, he's he's doing, he's doing it. it. Okay, never mind. Like that happened a couple of times as well. Right. And yeah, season, that was fun. Like it was cool one, to be so in tune to be able yes. to like do that because you were, you were taking on a lot, a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. And so to be able to to be um to be able to sort of be the other half and like uh work out those details that not everyone's going to see because we kind of sh- we share a sense of humor and our childhood and like all of that stuff like we were kind of in tuned in that way. And every once in a while we would we would discuss things mm-hmm. where it was like, "Oh, I thought it should be like this." No, it should be like that. Yeah. But for the most part, it was like while you were on set, I I wanted to be that that like assurance that things were fine behind the scenes that yeah. like that things were getting taken care of right and um and that your vision was still well it was you know, our vision and and i i also feel like i whenever i hear that there's someone who's like director starring in producer writing a show or a movie i'm always like so impressed with that when they have this long list but when someone's acting in a show and also directing it um, I wasn't directing it, but um, I had a lot of, you know, thoughts and opinions and feelings on how I wanted it to look. And um, 
and but I was producing it and I was writing it and I was starring in it. Whenever I see other people doing that, I'm like, how do they do that without a partner? Because for me, I I knew I could look into the lens and say, Christopher, how does that look? Because I can't see it. I'm in the frame. And so he would, you know, one of our biggest concerns was I needed to look like Miranda and not like me. And how I usually get that done is by being really close and ugly, you know, lenses near my face. And so there were a lot of times Christopher would come in and be like, she, you look too much like Colleen. You need to, we need more Miranda expressions because when the camera lens was super close and wide, I could be very subtle with my facial expressions because it would catch everything. It was so close. It could be too much. Like yeah, it, 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 exactly. The, how you, how you were manipulating your face or like how the, the amount of expression that you were giving because you were always Miranda, but mm-hmm. like the amount of expression you were giving it had, had to, to change, change depending yes. on the lens of the camera. Yes. And so if you aren't seeing it, like on YouTube, you you can actually look into the monitor and see it. Right. But on, on set, you didn't have a monitor no. right there that you could look and make adjustments. So you needed somebody that not only could see it, but could interpret it as your version of Miranda. Right. So Christopher that, that was also constantly... another thing. It's like a lot of people that we worked with were great and wonderful, but they weren't as like intimately understanding who the character of Miranda was. Right. So, so Christopher was, um, yeah, it was cool to I be, feel like that was your number that one. That was like your number one note to me on set. It would be like, you'd come on and be like, we need more Miranda or you need less Miranda. Cause if the camera's super close and I'm like doing these huge faces, it like looked too insane. It didn't, it wasn't realistic. It wasn't relatable. Um, well, as relatable as Miranda gets. And if the camera was too far away and it was a normal looking lens, I really had to distort my face to like look like Miranda. And so that was a very common note I would get from Christopher. And it was so nice having that because I couldn't see it. So, um, and that was something season two that was hard because Christopher was going through maternity leave at that point. His wife was very pregnant and had a baby during the shooting of season two and on bed rest it it wasn't a typical so he could not uh literally could not be in vancouver because she couldn't travel and um so and he was on maternity leave and all this stuff so i was up there he came up as often as he could but for like a day at a time and um you know it that was such a challenge on for me to like not have that second set of eyes. And he did everything he could to be there as often as he could and watch the dailies every night and wake up early in the morning and go over notes with me. But like, it, it was, was really such hard. A I, I really shock. wanted to be there. Like everything in me was like, oh, I really want to be there. Uh, and, but obviously I was like, well, no, I family's really, first, really have obviously. to be here. Yeah, obviously. Um, but like I'd fly up and back like from, from Southern California up to Vancouver work and come back all within a 24 hour period. Yeah, of, it was insane. It was like, it was nuts. It was so insane. But, um, but that was a big difference between season one and season two. And I feel like I notice it a lot because I don't feel like I'm as good as a producer or writer or performer without Christopher. So the times that he's not there, it was so, so hard. And I, I can't now I'm like, I can never do a project without Christopher. So um, we need to make sure that your wife is not having babies or pregnant next time we're on set for something. If we can avoid it, <laughs> we'll see. Um, uh, so the next question, oh, we answered most of these questions. How did you come up with character names? I've always been curious since my name is Bethany. Um, so Bethany came from 
uh, I used to do Miranda, before Miranda existed, I would do Miranda like characters in shows when I was in the ensemble to make my friends laugh. I would just do like an awkward chorus member, um, where I would kind of do similar, like awkward characteristics as like a chorus member in the background, just like a super awkward person. And for some reason, me and my musical theater friends named that character. I would do Beth. It was just like a, like a homely, strange girl. And for some reason, one of my friends was like, her name's Beth. And I was like, all right. So when we were naming Bethany, um, that story had come up and, and we liked the name Bethany for her. Um, so that's why we went with Bethany. Patrick, I don't know why we came with Patrick, but I remember I when it came either. up, we both were like, yes. Like, I feel I, like... I think, I feel like that's kind of how most of the names happened. It was like, well, we would say a bunch of names and then be like, yeah. yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. the one. That, totally. that fits that person. It, it was never like a, well, Jim oh, we was know this person, so we'll... Uncle Jim was like kind of a hats tip in the hat to Jim Caruso because he was the first guy to like help me with my mm-hmm. career and all that stuff. And so when I was talking about him a lot in the writer's room, I think someone was like, well, what about Jim? And I was like, Jim actually works. And I, I knew we wanted his name to be like Mike, Tom, like a one word, like yeah. a one syllable, like plain dude name. And, and Jim worked. Um, but Emily and Patrick... And Owen and all those names, I feel like were names that were just like, oh, that makes sense. And it just yeah. kind of happened. But Bethany and, and Jim were the only two, I think, that have like a story behind them, as far mm-hmm. as I know. Um, Owen, Tr- Owen's last name is Trent, which is my mother's maiden name and our brother's name. Um, it was Owen Trent. Um, there were a few few people that just got named on set like mel i think mm-hmm. ended, did we end up calling him mel yeah i think we did in the script and then also um harvey mm-hmm. like they just got called their names just because we didn't write a name in and then they right what are you the most proud of from episode two i don't know just that it exists <laughs> 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 the fact that it happened is pretty wild and so um i don't know that there's a moment that i'm most proud of i think the whole thing is kind of crazy yeah, I'm going to have to agree with that. I feel like there are specific jokes that I remember us coming up with that mm-hmm. I'm, they still land. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, that's that that's pretty cool that it still lands, that yeah. timing works. That I don't know. I'm not personally proud of it because when you write a joke or a, a funny line or something, it also like the music has to be right, the acting has to be mm-hmm. right, the camera the angle has to be right, and the editing has to be right. And if any one of those things is off, it's just not as good. Right. So, like, even as, like, the writer of a joke, like, you can't take full credit, I feel right. like, for yeah. it. Like, you yeah. gave a, a funny base. So, I don't know if I'm, like, proud of it in that way. I'm proud that, like, as a team, we pulled off right. the funny. Yeah, I agree with that. And, um, yeah, I'm just proud that the show happened. And I will say, Christopher, that I'm excited to write with you again because after watching, I don't watch the show, but after watching the show last night, it was midnight. I immediately went and I got an idea for a, a TV show and started writing for like hours last night. And I know you've been writing a lot lately too. So um, I, I'm i excited to finally get together and write with you again because I think we're going to come up with some great stuff. Um, yeah. But thank you so much for stepping in as my co-host today. Um, Eric really appreciates it. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Tune in next week. We're doing a musical episode of relax. And the week after that, we're doing a meet the in-laws episode. So make sure to tune in, make sure to subscribe. Are you singing? Is it that kind of musical or are you talking about musicals? Oh, just wait.
Oh man. You're going to have to wait and see. Maybe it's a little bit of everything. Um, So yeah, make sure to tune into those episodes. Make sure to subscribe to us and rate us on all the podcast places kindly if you would like. (laughs) And uh, thanks again to Christopher for listening and being here and talking to me and uh, go deal with all your a million children. I will deal with my one children. And we're going to end the episode with a wonderful uh, rendition of our theme song from one of you. Thanks for sending in your covers. We love them so much. Have a great day, everyone. Relax. Bye. The world is scary and we're locked in our home But now we have big microphones So you can relax, that's the name of our podcast